Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. We are in the midst of a study on seeing clearly and trying to be in a better relationship with God and and having a a greater relationship with Him. Uh, Last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 6 and and discussed uh, seeing the very face of God along with Isaiah as he came face to face with God. And today uh, I want to ask you to join with me in 1 John. 1 John. Uh, first chapter of First John, and, and let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless us as we study His Word together. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much that You've given us the privilege of being here today. We thank You for uh, Your Holy Word. And Father God, what a gift it is to us. It is the very breath of of you all, uh, Almighty God, that, that shares with us your heart, that shares with us your desire for love with us, that connects us with you and helps us to understand how we should live and how we should walk, how we should go about our life. And Father God, I just pray that you would bless us now as we study, Lord, as we seek to see you clearly. Lord, that we might have a better relationship with You, that we might have fellowship with You, that our love might grow deeper, that our Christian life might be better as we seek to serve You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. No doubt every one of us here except for maybe the little little tiny ones, has seen a Sneller chart. Everybody, do you remember the last time you saw a Sneller chart? Christina saw one not too long ago. A Sneller chart is a chart that every one of us has seen, and some of us a little bit more than others, because we have a little bit difficulty in seeing. That's the chart... It starts off with the big letter E at the top. It's your eye doctor. That's what it's called. Well, I didn't know that was what it was called until this morning when I looked it up. It's called the Sneller chart, and it is a chart that helps the uh, ophthalmologist, the optician, to know uh, whether or not you are seeing clearly. If you see or if you are seeing in focus, and usually there'll be a red line on that chart and down uh, towards the bottom, and that is where you must be able to read clearly too in order to indicate that you have a 2020 vision. If you can't, then that means that your vision is out of focus. You're not seeing clearly. And when you don't see clearly, you have problems. I remember as a young person when I was all about middle school or so, I was uh, in a particular class in school that 
Uh, the teacher loved to write on the board notes. She loved to write these notes out for us, and, and we were required to write all, everything she put on the board. And I, she would write and write and write and write, and she would get it all written down, and then she'd erase it all, and then she'd write some more. And so you had to keep up, and she had to always ask, did everybody get everything on the board? Everybody get it all? All right, here we go. And she'd start erasing, and I would find that I would uh, take longer and longer to write everything she was writing on the board. And I didn't realize it was because I was having a harder time seeing. And I remember going to the eye doctor uh, shortly after that, and and uh, the eye doctor said, "Well, yeah, you you you've." Uh, you're nearsighted. That's what they called it back then. Now they call it um, more detailed astigmatism. You're not seeing clearly. The doctor gave me some glasses, and on the way home, I just sat in awe of all the things I could all of a sudden see clearly. And my parents said, "Well, why didn't you say anything?" And I said, "I didn't realize you could. I couldn't see. I didn't realize you're supposed to see those things that clearly." We were driving down the highway and, and I could all of a sudden see the signs way down the road and I didn't have to wait till they got nearly on top of me to be able to read those signs. And when we don't see clearly, when we are not clear in our vision and when we're not clear of how we are supposed to see the face of God, when we don't see God clearly in our life, then we don't live in the way that we should live. We're not living according to God's desire. And when we are not seeing clearly uh, our circumstance, our uh, environment, our way of living, the way in which we're going about things, when we don't see like we're supposed to, we get a distorted view and many times we overlook a lot of the things that we should see. We, we uh, miss a lot. And a lot of times when we are going through our Christian life, there's, I come across individuals from time to time that, that tell me that they, when they read the Bible, they just don't get a whole lot out of it. Or when they go to church, it's just a waste of time for them. They don't really get a lot of it. They're not seeing clearly. They're not allowing God to show them how they should live and how they should go about. And so we come to 1 John this morning, and I want you to look there in 1 John chapter 1. And as we begin to look at this uh, chapter in 1 John, John is, let me just set the table for you. John is writing this letter to a certain group of Christians within a church. And what has happened is, is that they have gotten into a position where uh, there are some people that are, uh, luring the church away from their heterodoxy or the common practice of worshiping Jesus Christ in the way that they should. John and other disciples have helped establish this church. Uh, John has, has uh, worked hard to get them to a certain position and then other people have come along uh, after John has left and has uh, distorted the view. Kind of like when you have all of a sudden uh, nearsightedness or farsightedness, you're not seeing clearly and you're not seeing it the way that you should. They distorted the view of, uh, of Christianity for these Christians and they began to, to tell them things like, well, you know, you don't have to worry about sin. 
Have you heard people talk about it like that? Oh, all you have to do is just get saved. And don't, don't worry about if you sin or not after that. God will just take away all your sin and, and, and you don't even have to worry about it. Let me tell you something. If you're not concerned over the fact that from time to time you sin in your life, then your relationship to God is not what it should be. Do you hear what I said? If you sin habitually and you constantly go back to one particular sin, maybe it's stealing, maybe it's telling lies, maybe it's uh, uh, fornication, maybe it's uh, uh, lusting after the possessions of others. You know, you go down the road and you look at how uh, that sweet car that you have, your neighbor has and you just dream about what it would be like to have that car and you, and you do everything you can, including some things that are probably not ethical, to have what your neighbor has. That's lusting, coveting after your neighbor's possession. That's basically, in essence, stealing in your mind and in your heart. Whatever your sin is, if you, if, uh, you know, all of us sin, yes. All of us from time to time, a, a slip up in our human nature. But as a Christian, we ought to be working closer and, and moving closer and closer to a lifestyle that is consistent with how Jesus Christ calls us to live. How Jesus Christ demonstrated in His life. If you're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards. You think any of them big-time coaches, Bear Bryant and, and uh, Tom Landry and all that, uh, uh, would be satisfied if their football team got out there during, uh, during the time that they had the, uh, the offense on the field and uh, they ran play after play after play and they didn't get anywhere if, they, if the team members came back to the sideline and, they, and he said, well, don't worry, at least we're not going backwards. Do you think he said something like that? No. The expectation is, is, hey, this ball, wherever it might be on the field, belongs in the infield, uh, uh, down there in the, in the field, uh, in the area, in the part of the area where it means that you got a touchdown. And in fact, Tom Landry is famous for saying, hey, don't celebrate when you get down there to the end zone. Act like you've been there before. <laughs> Act like you've been there before. And we ought to, in our daily Christian life, be moving forward in our relationship to God, moving forward in our love for Jesus Christ, moving forward in our day-to-day -day life where we exhibit more and more of a, a nature of Jesus Christ than that of the world. And unfortunately, we get all too comfortable with living a life of sin. And John writes this letter to the, this church and he says to them, he said, uh, he says, that which we have, in verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. He says, now listen, he's basically saying in that phrase, we already told you this. But we're going to tell it to you again because obviously somebody's messed you up. 
that we are that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. He says, Look, we're not trying to do this to make you feel bad. We're not trying to do this to uh, to cause you to feel uh, uh, one way or another, other than that your joy may be full. We want you to have the utmost of what your life should be like. We want you to have the right relationship with God. We want you to have a relationship with God that is close, that's intimate, that is a loving relationship that God desires for you. Listen, John's not giving them this message because it makes him feel good or that uh, because uh, he gets brownie points for doing it. He says, God wants this kind of relationship with you. The creator of all that is. Before he said, let there be light in Genesis. Loved you so much that He moved heaven and earth. He planned to move heaven and earth to be able to demonstrate His love for you by sending Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to die on the cross for your sins. You say, well, that does, it doesn't really say that in the Bible. How do you know that? Well, yes, it does say that in the Bible. We know and learn that God knows all things. Do you think God was surprised when Adam and Eve sinned in the midst of the garden? Do you think God made all the, everything that is, all the planets and made earth and made all of creation and put man in the garden and had the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? And then when Adam and Eve ate from it, He said, whoops, I didn't see that coming. No. Before, before God even said, let there be light, God knew that man would sin. God knew that we would need a Savior. God knew that you would be exactly the way you are. Don't hate yourself when you look yourself in the mirror because God made you just that way. God made you exactly the way you are. And He loves you. And He desired to demonstrate that love to you by giving His only Son to die on the cross for your sins. And so when, when we begin to when we begin a relationship with God and, and begin to have a relationship with Him and then allow ourselves to be separated from Him by our own sinful behavior, it grieves God. God wants you to have the great joy that comes with knowing Him as Savior and Lord. He wants you to have that joy that comes into your life by knowing Him intimately and personally. He doesn't want to be a a God far off in the distance or some old tottering guy with a big long beard sitting on the throne way up in heaven so far away that he doesn't... uh, uh, That's not God. That's not God. He's not far away. He's intimate. He's personal with you. He knows your heart. He knows your desires. And John says when you sin, you put distance from God. That's like having someone that loves you so much that loves you unconditionally. And you say, no, don't want to have any of that love. No, don't want to have... No, no, don't care for it. Let me put it on real simple terms. 
too simple really to grasp exactly how God is with us. I think God and His creation provides a window into who we are. Some of you have a little dog that just loves you to death. A little dog that when you come home, it doesn't matter if you've been gone for two minutes or, or, or two hours or, or 20 hours. That dog just, just shakes so much that he just can't hardly stand because it's so excited and just wagging its tail, wagging every part of its being because it's so happy to see you. And when you come home, that's all that dog wants is to be with you and to have, uh, be close to you and to have you rub on that dog and to have you show love towards that dog. God is greater than any little dog, but God loves you so much. God is so full of His love that He would sacrifice Himself on the cross of Calvary so that He might have that opportunity to come close to you, to come near you. And when you sin, you're saying, no, don't want to have any of that love. No, I, I, I care more about myself than your love that you have for me. I care more about myself than what you want for me in my life. No, I don't care about your love. But God, when we ask for forgiveness, He's ready to wrap His arms around us again. He's ready to love us again. He's ready to bring us back in. And John, that's what he's talking about. He says here, look, this then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not know the truth. But if we walk in the light and He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and, if, uh, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. John says, first of all, that God is light. Now, in the Bible... Light is used as a metaphor for truth. And conversely, darkness is sinfulness, despair, difficulty, struggle. Think about a psalm that, you, that just about every one of you know, the 23rd Psalm. Okay, you got it in your mind? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow. Symbolized there. Uh, death, despair, difficulty, struggle, shadow, darkness. But everywhere there is light is truth. Everywhere there is light, there is God. And, he, and John says, look... God is light. God is the truth. God is truth in, in the truth of every situation. He's no doubt having to, a difficulty with a, a teaching 
uh, system that's come through that's called Gnosticism. And he's dealing with Gnosticism that's come into this church. Not only have they told him that, that uh, you don't have to worry about sin, but that uh, you can know God and uh, do whatever you want to do. Gnosticism, knowledge. And they talk about uh, knowledge as if it is bringing you closer to God just simply to know things. John says God is all knowledge. God is truth. God is not just knowledge. He is true knowledge. Everything true is God. God is in the midst of truth. He says God is light. And in God there is no darkness. He says, look... With God, there's no lying, there's no deceit, there's no, uh, uh, there's no sin. Nothing in God has sinfulness, darkness, nothing. God is so much light that when He goes in the midst of darkness, there is no darkness anymore. He obliterates darkness, right? That, you take a... <coughs> you take... A flashlight that has a thousand lumens into a, a deep, dark room that has no source of light. And you're in the midst of that darkness and you turn on that flashlight, the light from that flashlight will light up the whole room. And there'll be no place in that room that will have any darkness any left because the light from the flashlight is so bright. John is saying, with God, when God enters into the picture of your life, when God comes into your life, life, there is nothing but truth. There is nothing but the presence of God. There cannot be any presence of darkness because with the presence of God, all darkness is eliminated. In your life, when God comes into your life, you cannot have sin in your life because if you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life, there is no place for darkness because there is no darkness in the presence of God because Jesus Christ is God incarnate and He is all truth. He is the light. Now, that creates a little bit of difficulty for Christians that like to play around with sin, isn't it? Because sin is darkness. You can't introduce darkness where there is light. And that's what John says is if you say if you say you are a Christian, if you say you are in the light but walk in darkness, he says there's no truth in you. You cannot be a child of God and walk in sinfulness. You can fall into sin every once in a while. You can walk out of the light and into the darkness, but if you're a Christian, you ought to want to live in the light because that is where Jesus Christ is. That's where God's presence is. You cannot live in sin and be happy with yourself and be happy with your relationship to God because God is light and there is no darkness in God. And He says if you pretend that you are a Christian and you say that you are a child of God and yet you walk in darkness, you are lying or either God is lying. And with God there is no darkness. With God there is no lying. So God can't be the liar. You're the liar. And that's what he's saying. We can't live in darkness. We can't live with our sin. We can't be happy in our sin. We can't dwell in our sin if we truly are a child of the light because 
When we are in sin, we are living in darkness, not in light. We're not living in the fellowship with God. We're not living close to God. When we live in sin, we live with sin, and we live with, with that little pet sin that we get so comfortable with and we enjoy and we participate in, but we're not living in the fellowship and the communion with God if we are allowing sin to rule in our life. Second thing is, when we live in the light with God, we're, when we're walking in light with Jesus Christ, then we're walking in fellowship with our fellow believers, with those other Christians in fellowship with us, walking in the light. If they're in the light and we're in the light, then we're walking in fellowship with them because they're in the light, we're in the light. He says when you are a child of God, when you're uh, walking in fellowship with God, when you're doing as you're supposed to do, then you are in fellowship with one another. Verse 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sin. So when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with those who are Christians, those who are walking in the light as well, because why? We have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Blood is a symbol of life. That's why God in the Old Testament told the Israelites, blood is special because uh, with the sacrificial system, they were to demonstrate that the blood was poured out as a sacrifice for sin on the altar. Uh, blood symbolized life, life, the life of that lamb or the life of that bull, the life of that dove that was given as a sacrifice. They had to give up their life in order for that blood to be poured out and to be shed. It was a lesson that God was trying to drill into the minds of the Israelites so that when His Son came and died on the cross, they understood and knew when He gave His life for them that He was pouring out His life for them, that His blood was being shed so that they might have life and have it more abundantly, that they might have life and be cleansed from the sin that was bringing them death, that He was giving a sacrifice of His life on the cross in our place so that His blood would be shed for us and cover our sins bring us to life. So we have fellowship with one another because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because we live in the light. But if we are human, if we are natural in our way in which we do things, if we live like, the, like according to our own nature, from time to time we will sin. Now, John is not saying if you're a Christian that you'll never sin. He's saying you should sin less and less, but if you're human and you're still walking on this earth, you will sin. And he says, but if we sin and we confess our sins to God, He's faithful. His righteousness demands of it because He told us if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Now, that's not a carte blanche to just go out and sin all that we want to. But rather, it is, it should, we should demonstrate the pain in which we 
we bring upon our relationship to God each time that we sin. When we do sin, it should be something that we agonize over because God agonizes over it. Because God's desire is, is that we would have fellowship with Him and that we would have love with Him and that we would have communion with Him and that we would be close to Him. But when we sin, we put an arm's distance between us and God. We, we shoo God away because God cannot walk in our sin. We can't walk in the light with our sin. God has to forgive us. So in order for us to walk in the light, we have to ask for forgiveness. And God says, look, <coughs> John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, look, when you ask God for forgiveness, He's faithful. He's just. His faithfulness will be that He will wipe away our sin. All we have to do is ask. We have to meet, uh, have an earnest desire to, to turn our life back over to God and allow God to have a reunion with us. And God will allow us to have union with Him once again. And when we do, we cannot say that we have not sinned. We can't act as if we haven't sinned. We can't act as if we haven't affected our relationship with God when we sin. We have to learn that we have sinned and that we don't do that kind of behavior again. We have to learn from our mistakes. That's like having a little child that uh, when they're little, they're curious about a lot of things. And they're captivated by things with color, they're captivated by things they've never seen before. And the little child goes into the kitchen and they see this big red circle up high where they have a hard time reaching. And they think it looks pretty. And they reach out their hand to touch the pretty red circle. But you catch them before they do. Because you know that you accidentally left the burner on. And if they touch that circle, it'll burn them. It'll hurt you don't want them to hurt. Well, let's say the child goes in there again the next day. And they see a per- and you forget again. Hopefully, they've learned not to touch that pretty red circle. That that pretty red circle means danger, and they don't put their hand out. Maybe you slap their hand a little bit and say, "Don't touch that." You wag your finger in their face and you had a stern voice towards them and say, baby, don't touch that red circle. It'll hurt. So that the next time they see it, hopefully they won't touch it. Now they may forget or they may still be captivated by it, but hopefully they've learned. That's growth. That's maturing. But as a Christian, we seem to be stuck on sin. We seem to be stuck on the fact that we understand how much it grieves God for us to commit sin. We we get stuck on the fact that sin is so pleasurable for a season. But after that comes the judgment. We we get judged by our sinful behavior. We, we We reap the consequences of our sin, but we seem to not realize it. We seem to not learn from it. John is saying here through the Holy Spirit's inspiration that we ought to learn. We ought to understand that when we ask for forgiveness, 
God will forgive us, but we can't pretend as if we have never sinned. Because that makes God a liar. And when we say that God is a liar, His Word is not in us. So how do we keep from sin? How do we keep from living in a life of sin? Over in the book of James, James gives a a helpful hint in applying this truth. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 16 is a way of helping us to understand that when we have sin in our life, when we allow sin into our life, that we can have forgiveness from God, but sometimes we need help, accountability. Now, what he's saying here is not that that you have to confess to others your sins in order to have for forgiveness. No, what he's saying is, is when you have difficulty with sin, it helps sometimes to have someone that you can come to, that you trust, somebody that's a mentor, somebody that is an accountability partner that says, hey, look, I have a problem with this. I want you to help me to stay accountable with God. I have a desire to walk in the way of God. I have a desire to walk in, the, in light. I have a desire to walk as God wants me to walk, to live my life as God would have me to live. But on my own, I, I falter, I fail. But with your help, with time from time, you asking me, Hey, brother, how you doing today? Hey, sister, are you, are you okay with God today? Hey, have you prayed today? Have you walked with God today? Have you had fellowship with God today? Then you'll be less likely to have problem with sin. Now, some people in, in John and, and Peter's day believed that sinfulness caused illness. Remember when they, uh, the disciples came across the guy who had been blind since birth? They asked Jesus, they said, Hey, who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And, and Jesus said, Remember he said what he said, Neither one of them sinned, but that God might be glorified. And he healed him. He said, It's not because you sin. Now sometimes God does use things in our life to redirect us and try and cause us to depend upon Him more and things like that. But, but illness doesn't always mean sickness. But He says in, in order to stay right with God, we ought to, from time to time if need be, confess to one another, pray for one another, help each other to stay right with God, to have a fellowship with God. What's more important? Whether or not you're embarrassed a little bit to talk to somebody about your sinfulness or living right with God. Hopefully living right with God is so much more important than a little embarrassment. After all, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us have lived a life without sin except for Jesus Christ. 
We ought to desire to walk in fellowship with God, to live and to walk with God as God calls us to live. We have to see things clearly. We have to see our sin for what it is, sinfulness. We have to see darkness and stay away from it. When you go up and visit Atlanta, walk through the city at night, which is not a very good idea, but then you find an alleyway that's completely dark, no street lights, no light in there. How smart is it to walk through that alleyway? Walking through, like I said, walking through the streets of Atlanta at night is not a very smart thing unless you got an army with you or the Atlanta Falcons linebacker, linebackers walking with you and got your back. But even then, it wouldn't be too smart to walk through that alley in the darkness either because you can't see what's in there. God says, walk in the light. Walk in the truth of His Word. Walk in His truthfulness. Walk in His love. Walk with God. And darkness can't be found when you do. Darkness won't be a problem when you do. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your great love and we praise You for the truth that You share with us. Lord, help us to have wisdom. Help us to walk according to Your desire, to live our life in the way that You would have us to live. Lord, help us to follow You, to enjoy the fellowship that You would have us to have. And Lord, help us to grow in everything that we do, even our mistakes, so that we don't make them again that we have greater fellowship with You. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that has not felt the embrace of the Almighty, has not given their heart and life to You because of fear, because of the joy of a sin, or because of something else going on in their life, Lord, I pray that they would today hear Your call to give their heart and life to You. Lord, if there's somebody here today that has struggled with sin, struggled with staying out of a sinful lifestyle, that they will recommit their life to You. Lord, help us to live according to Your will and desire. That we might have fellowship with one another. That we might be able to lift one another up in prayer. And to keep us in fellowship with You and in Your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.